Merry Christmas to everybody. Good to see you. Can I get a little Merry Christmas? <laughs> We've been hearing it on the radio for two weeks. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. So It's good to see you in church today. My name, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Andy Stovall. I am the... What is my title again? I am the Congregational Life Pastor. I'm just kidding. My title's changed about 70 times since I've been at the church. Uh, but uh, I am the Congregational Life Pastor at the, the Princeton location. And it is an honor to be here with you guys today. Pastor Ryan is out. Are you so thankful for Pastor Ryan and his ministry here in Goldsboro? Amen. Yeah. And how about, I'm telling you, there was an ensemble back here. That's pretty awesome. I have not, I did not know that y'all were doing that. That is cutting edge. Now, we, we're going to have to step it up in Princeton because we ain't doing that right now. So, uh, great job. How about Gage, man? Golly, I, I, have, I have known Gage since he was four, okay? I was eight when I met him, but I have known him since he was four, and uh, just, a, just an incredible guy, an incredible family. I just thank God for the Haveries and... Uh, uh, just so good to see you. I do have to say I need to get a rousing go dogs before I start the message today because I because <laughs> I am a Georgia Bulldog fan and uh, I see I, I, it. You may have to move, sir, because it's hard for me to focus. He's got an Alabama shirt on right now, and uh, I need our emergency response team ASAP. Uh, <laughs> No, just having fun, but it is so good to be with you uh, here today. I'm glad that my wife could, could be with me this morning, and my mother-in-law, my, all our kids are just spread all out uh, everywhere, and we got one in New York, one in Texas, and two here. I told somebody before church today, if you wanted to raise your children and teach them how to leave the nest and go far, far away, I'm the guy to talk to, okay, because that's what mine like to do, but... Uh, no, we are so, so excited to, to be kicking off this series of messages for this month. And really what we sang about, that la how about that last song? That song was awesome. And really that's what we're declaring today. Here comes heaven. Jesus is coming. And uh, we're going to celebrate that. We're going to talk about that. What are you expecting for Christmas this year? Anybody got an expectation? You don't have to say it out loud because there's a lot of us. It might take a while. But think about what you're expecting for Christmas this year. Now, when you think about that, in, if you go back in years past, how much has that changed? How has it shifted? I remember when I was a little boy, man, I wanted, for Christmas, I wanted, it was this van. It was a Tonka van. It was made of metal. And I got it from Santa, and it was so awesome. It had a door that slid. It had a door that opened in the back. My little brother, he got a truck, and it was a little plastic truck. And I don't know why Tony, my mom, and dad let us do this, but we got in our living room. We had a living room. In our, how many of you had a living room in your house when you were growing up? You had the den where you kind of did everything, and then the living room where you went to get a spanking because if you played in there, you tore something up, right, that you weren't supposed to play with. So we were in the living room at Christmas, on Christmas night, and we had these trucks, and we're, we are running them into one another as hard as we can. We just get back about 10, 15 feet, and let's see if we, whose will outlast the others. 
and on Christmas night, and I destroyed my brother's Tonka truck. So, um, and I don't know that they got him another one, but but what I have wanted as a child versus what I want for Christmas now looks completely different. The things that bring me joy, the things that touch my heart, that warm my heart, that are valuable to me, I can't find them at Sam's Club or at the mall. or any, The things I want look different now. And as you get older, that's probably happened with you as well. Well, God brings a bunch of different gifts to us this season. He brings the gift of joy. The gift of peace, the, the gift of purpose. But what we're going to tackle today may be one of the hardest for people to wrap their brains around, but it is the most important. And what God brings us this Christmas season, we see in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Now what is the indescribable gift? Jesus. He gives us the gift of Jesus. So my challenge here this morning is to do the impossible. To describe the indescribable. Now I'm not going to show the clip, but if you've never seen it, go to YouTube, type this out. Matter of fact, your notes are available at the Bridge app. If you do have your smartphone, your mobile device, you can go to the Bridge app, go to notes, and you should find them there. You can type it out there, you can write it down. But write down, that's my king. If you've ever heard it, if you've ever seen it on YouTube, it's amazing. It is incredible. But it's a description of who Jesus is. We're not going to do that here today. But the guy says when he's sharing about who Jesus is, he says, that's my king. He says, he's indescribable. And then he starts telling about all the attributes of who Christ is in our life. But I'm going to do my best to do that here today. And we're going to begin with the Christmas story. One of our traditions as a family is, is to sit before we open gifts and read Luke chapter 2, the account of Christ's coming. So if you would indulge me, if you have your Bibles or your phones, turn to Luke chapter 2 or you can join me on the screen beginning in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and line of David. Now, the journey that they went on uh, was from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's an 85-mile Journey Now, an 85-mile journey to us today is not that big a deal, is it? How long would you drive if you went 85 miles? How, how long would you be in a car? Hour and a half, right? Not bad. Now, my wife will tell you, if I were driving, it might be 45 to 50 minutes, but for everybody else, it's, it's an hour and a half. Can you imagine, though, walking 85 miles? Men... If you were here today and you were sitting beside your wife, imagine walking 85 miles with your wife in tow. What a glorious experience that would be. And, and wives, the same for you. You know, One of you is going to be walking around going, are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Now imagine this, walking 85 miles, but putting your nine-month pregnant wife 
on a donkey for days getting to the city of Bethlehem. That was unbelievable, but that's what they did. And, and, and they were committed to that because they knew that God had a, a plan. He had a, a purpose for them, that there was an indescribable gift that was coming to the world. So when we think about this and we try to describe it, I want to I talk to you about the three gifts Jesus is, and there are many, many more, but just three that I want to point out here today. Jesus, first of all, is the gift of intimacy. The gift of intimacy. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 5, it says, To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She's about to have a baby. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, one of the things that attracts us to Christmas, one of the things that we love, if you don't love the lights and all that stuff, don't tell me because I love that, okay? And don't tell me that I'm wrong because I like nice lights and they're beautiful. I just like the lights. I think it's cool. We like the, the gold and the green and the red and all, the, all that stuff. And I mean, I've even gotten gifts under the tree that were wrapped so beautifully that I, I, I really didn't want to open them because they were just perfect. And I'm like, I don't want to mess that up. But here we see this account of, of Jesus on the first Christmas simply wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a wooden box. That's how he came. He came to this earth to a peasant people in an obscure village. Most kings come to a palace, but not Jesus was born in a barn, ruled from a simple feeding trough. James Lane said it this way, Jesus took off his scarlet robe and hung it up in the wardrobe of eternity. He got a ticket at the depot of time and rode the train of nature down the generations and disembarked at Bethlehem. He cried as babies do, healed like a physician. Fed people like a supermarket, spoke like an order, and died like a mighty God. He was Jesus. He is God in the flesh. The Old Testament said that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if we condense all the themes of Christmas down to three words, it's that. Christmas is about God with us. We tend to focus our attention at this season of the year on the infancy of Christ. But the greatest miracle of the holiday isn't the baby. But it's that God came to be with us. And He wanted to be with us. And that's important because it reminds us that Christianity is not a religion to defend. It's not an institution to prop up and it's not a list of rules or regulations to live up to. It's a relationship. With the God of the universe. An intimate, living, breathing, dynamic, ever-changing, growing relationship with the God who created it all. The only true and living God. He wants to have a relationship with me. And He wants to have a relationship with you. How valuable is intimacy? How valuable are relationships to us? in our existence here on this planet. 
Well, there are over 600 papers that have been written, uh, medical studies that they have done, done by physicians that have said babies need to be held. They need touch. It, it helps with pain relief. It helps in their development, uh, their ability to interact. There was even, and I, I'm going to get this wrong because I didn't write it down, I didn't have it in my notes, but there was an orphanage, I believe, in Russia where um, they were, the babies were there and they did not have adequate support. And so they, they had babies that laid in crib, a crib. They lay in their crib all day. They would pick them up to change them, maybe to feed them, and that was it. There was no holding, there was no rocking, and all this kind of stuff. And so what started happening is the, the, more, the, the death rate of these infants just went through the roof. And they could not figure out what was going on and why it was happening. And so they, somebody connected the dots and said, maybe we need to get some people in here to hold these children. And so they brought volunteers in, and all they would do was get those babies and rock them. All they would do was hold them, give them a, a mother's touch, a, a human touch, and someone talking to them and said the death rate all but completely disappeared just because someone took the time to hold them, to care for them, to love them, to let them know that they were okay and that someone was there with them. We need intimacy. We need intimacy horizontally. We need intimacy this way, but we need intimacy with God. And He desires to have that in our life. Secondly, Jesus is the gift of hope. He's the gift of hope. We see that as we go to verse 10 in Luke chapter 2. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angels are talking to the shepherds who are in fields nearby and they have brought them good news of great joy, not just to them, but to all people. Why? Because a Savior has been born. He is Messiah. He is Lord. Now from heaven's perspective, the birth of Christ is spectacular. From earth's perspective, it's mundane. He's born in a barn. Heaven's perspective, the birth of Christ, was amazing. That the eternal, immutable, everlasting God of the universe would choose to wrap himself in flesh and come to the earth to live among men. Earth's perspective, Jesus was born on a hit list. Herod had already made a decree. Every child, every male, two years and under, they need to be killed. He was born into that threat. He was born to a virgin, trying to explain to her fiancé, this isn't what it looks like. This isn't what's going on. Let me tell you, God's doing something here. Something incredible. And that's why we have to be careful when we make prejudgments or form opinions about what something looks like. You ever judge something on the outside and found out you were completely off base? You were totally wrong? You missed it 100%. You may look at somebody right now and think, man, you, you know exactly what they're going through. They got it made. Ain't nothing happening in their life but good. And they're in hell right now. They're dying on the inside. They're battling with depression or anger or anxiety. 
And I believe one of the reasons that God sent me here today to speak to you is to say this right here. So do not miss it. Whatever is going on inside of you, there is hope. There is hope. And it is in Jesus. How do I know that? Because Jesus is the gift of hope. He is Messiah. How do I know He's Messiah? Well, there were over 300 Old Testament prophecies that declared He was Messiah. And Jesus came and fulfilled every single one of them. Dr. Peter Stoner uh, from Science Speaks said, The odds that one man could fulfill just eight of the prophecies is 10 to the 16th power. Now, I don't know how big that is because I changed my major because of math, all right? But that's a lot. That's big. The odds that one man could fulfill all 300? Imagine taking silver dollars and laying them out across the, the state of Texas, okay? Anybody, anybody from Texas here? Hey, we got some Texas people here. I drove to Texas recently. My wife and I went on a halfway across the country tour. And when you're, when you're crossing through South Carolina and Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi and, you know, you get to Louisiana, you get to all of those state lines and you're, you're at exit 200 and something. It's the low 200s, 205 or 2, I don't know what they are. But you get to Texas and you're at exit 610. All right? That's miles. That's a big place. That is a huge state. And, um, and I found out another thing about Texans. They love Texas now. It is, you know, and they should be. They should be proud. But that Lone Star is everywhere. It is everywhere. But it's a big state. But you take silver dollars, lay it across the state, not a layer, but two feet deep. On one of the silver dollars, put a mark. Take a complete stranger, blindfold them, set them off into Texas and say you can go wherever you want to go, walk as much as you want to walk, but I need you to find that silver dollar with that mark on it amongst all these other silver dollars. That is, that's how possible it would be for that person to find it as it would be for those 300 prophecies to be fulfilled and Jesus fulfilled every one of them when he came into this earth. Every one of them. Even before all of that, Joseph and Mary knew that this was no ordinary baby. That he was the Messiah. The Savior of the world. If you've committed your life to him, you know that too. And you want everyone else to know that. You want everybody to know that. And everybody doesn't want that. You know, we, we run into a whole lot of people. Now, don't make this about Jesus. Don't make Christmas about, don't make it a religion. I don't want to make it a religious thing. It ain't about religion to me. It's about a relationship, but, you know, I, I, it's, not a, it's not just a great holiday or the most wonderful time of the year. This is about the birth of Jesus, the Savior of the world. I like what the great theologian Forrest Gump says. He said, if you go to the zoo, always take something with you to feed the animals. Even if the sign says, don't feed the animals. It wasn't the animals that put the sign there, okay? There's somebody in this world 
that does not want the truth about who Christ is to be out there. And it wasn't Jesus who put that out there. So we tell this message of hope. We share it. We've made it easy for you. All of you, I hope, got a packet when you came in. I took the stuff out of it. You got the bag and this. Hopefully y'all all got that. Everybody get one of these packets when you walked in. It's got a few things in it. It's got some save the dates in it. Because you're going to connect with some family over the holidays. You're talking more in December than you do a lot of time during the year. Because you're finding out, well, what do the grandbabies want for Christmas? And what is this? And, what? and you, here's what I would encourage you to do. Share the message of hope with your family. Because oftentimes they're the hardest people to talk to about Jesus. Because they know you better than anybody else. Okay? They know the stuff you burned up and tore up and lied about and all that stuff. You know, they know you. But you give them that. And say, look, here's all I want for Christmas. Come to church with me. Come to church on, on Christmas Eve. Um, you can also get in line at the checkout. I'm going to tell on myself here, Kirsten. Kirsten's my wife. You go to Starbucks. My wife, I was under the impression for a long time she didn't go there very often. We went into the drive-thru at Wayne Memorial, and I ordered something. And the lady leaned down and looked at me and said, Well, here you go, sir. You, you know, and giving her, you know, exchanging my money for the, for the coffee. And she looks down and says, Well, hey, I love your wife. She's here all the time. So, <laughs> I don't, you know, hey, if, if that's all it takes, baby, you keep going to Starbucks. So it's fine. But you can get a Just Because card. Get in line at Starbucks. Pay for somebody's cup of coffee. You never know what a simple act of kindness would do. Give that card to the cashier and say, Would you just please tell them this was just because Jesus loves them. That's it. Three, four bucks on a cup of coffee that probably should have cost a dollar. But anyway, it's, a <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Don't get me on that soapbox. So anyway, um, so do that. And then you have this card. It's a prayer card. The most important thing you can do for people that are in your life, people that you love, write their names down and pray for them. People need hope, guys. People need hope. How many of you know that this is a messed up world we live in? I need you to pray. Because part of our church family was directly connected to the double homicide that took place Friday morning. Right here in our community. They have experienced unimaginable loss. And we need to lift them up and pray for them. When my phone rang that morning. And I was asked to go to that place. I didn't have any idea what I was going to say. What do you say? What do you tell a mom? Or a dad? Or a grandparent. What do you say? Only thing I could share was the hope we have in Jesus. The only thing that I could share, and I didn't do this necessarily all with, with, with verbal communication. Some was. But what I shared was hope. And here's the hope. The hope is in, Je is in Jesus. And the truth 
that comes from that hope is evil, does not, and will not win because He has overcome all of that in this world. Amen? But we live in a messed up place. And if it hasn't touched your life, you thank God for it and you reach out to those whose lives it has touched because I'm telling you, their lives are forever changed. Forever changed. But they're a part of this, this congregation. That family goes here. So we need to keep them lifted up in our prayers. And we need to love on them and we need to hold up hope. And sometimes giving hope in a situation like that is just giving them a hug. And letting them know that you're here. What's the sign we hold up? Luke chapter 2 verse 11, the New Century Version says, Today your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. He is our hope. He is our hope when everything we hold dear is gone like that. He is our hope when we're anxious. He is our hope when our future doesn't turn out the way we thought it was going to. He is our hope. Many in the world are perfectly content for us just to say Jesus was a good man or a great teacher. And He was. Both of those things. Is both of those things. But before there were mega churches, before the days of sound system and image magnification, and thank God for Gage, Pastor Gage and Adam and all the guys that make all this happen, you know. It used to be there was one cord that plugged into one thing and you turned it on and that was it. And I could run all that. But I can't do any of this now because it's the Starship Enterprise around here. You know, I mean, and it's awesome. I love it. It's cool. And I thank God they know what they're doing because I don't. And I'm about at the age where I don't want to learn how to do it. You know, I don't want to know that. But before all of that, tens of thousands gathered on hillsides in natural amphitheaters and on the seashore. He would get in a boat, Jesus would, so his voice would carry across the water. And he said things like, feed the poor. And he would say, I come to set the captives free. Go minister in prisons and take care of the widows and orphans. Those were the truths he shared. And then he said, whatever you do for one of the least of these my children, you have done unto me. Right in the middle of all those great teachings, he said, oh, and by the way, in John 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. I am God. I'm not just a good man. I'm not just a great teacher. I am God. Now, here's where you are today. You can walk out of here adopting one of these three schools of thought. He was either a lunatic who actually believed he was God. He's a liar who went all the way to the cross to preserve the lie. Or he was who he said he was. He was who he said he was. I won't get into it here today, but there's an account of Watergate 
where there were, there were a number of men who came together and uh, tried to perpetrate this lie to keep themselves out of prison, and they could not do it for two weeks. And for 2,000 years, the story of the cross of Christ and He as Messiah has gone on and on and penetrated into the fabric of the world that we live in. And some say, well, it's lost steam. There aren't as many people in church as there were, you know, so many years ago. And that's true. The Church of America, that's true. In other places in the world, the gospel is, is moving forward and growing. But that message ain't stopping. It's not stopping. And he's calling us to hold up that sign. And that brings us to the last gift, the gift of intimacy. Or excuse me, the gift of eternal life. We talked about intimacy, we talked about hope. The gift of eternal life. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made human in likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of a cross. He was God. He wasn't an associate God. He wasn't vice president God. He was God. He was deity. 100% man, 100% God. And he laid aside all of that being God. Now, he was always God on this earth, but he made himself nothing and humbled himself to die my death. He took my punishment. I should have been the one that had that. I should have hung on that cross. He took yours too. Ow. I know that's an Easter message. But it's impossible to look at a wooden manger without looking at a wooden cross. When we look at that manger, we have to look at why he came. He was born in a manger to be nailed to a cross. Have you ever had a splinter stuck in your finger? Maybe in your foot? When our daughter was little, I don't know, seven, eight years old, we were at my brother's house. He's got a dock, lives on the lake. And it was an older dock and he had... The, the, the wood that was the floor of the dock was just kind of all messed up and dry rotted. And she's running across. You know how little kids run, right? They kind of do that deal. Imagine running across an old splintered up board and doing that deal barefooted. Oh, yeah. It hurt. We saw it, and she was like, oh, it hurts so bad, Dad, get it out. And we looked at her heel, and it was like huge. I mean, it looked like a two-by-four was in there, you know. It was enormous, and, and we were just, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. And I looked at Kirsten, and I said, we're never going to get this out of her foot. I don't know how we're going to do this. And so it was in there for a day or two. And we, every time we would uh, cross that bridge, of let's see what we can do to get the splinter out. No, 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 no. I mean, even... Acting like we were going to touch her foot. Ow, I'm hurting. Don't touch. 
Yeah, don't think we're bad. I think this is right. And you correct me if I'm wrong, Kirsten, but I think we gave her a little bit of assistance with some cold medicine or something to help her sleep. She got to sleep. Yeah, y'all have done it too. <laughs> we got a we got a five hour road trip. Where's the Benadryl? Um, <laughs> uh, so we got. We gave her a little something. She might have had a cold. I don't know. But we, ha we could not get the thing out. That would not come out. So we had to get her to sleep. When she's asleep, we, we go in there. We went in. I'll never forget. We went in there. And we would grab her heel, and we'd take the little needle, and we'd just try to pick just the top layer of skin. That's all we needed. And we would have liftoff, you know. And every time we'd grab her heel, she'd pull it back, you know, just move. Finally got it out. And think we'd ever get that out. And then you know when you got that splinter, it's like the biggest thing you've ever seen in the world. And then you get it in your hand and you're going, that was it? That was all there was? We got that out of her. She was the happiest person on the planet. You know, everything was great. But here's the reason I tell that story. Because when we talk about Jesus being nailed to the cross, I fear sometimes we've gotten so accustomed to hearing that and talking about that, we don't even wince. You know, we think about it in our own body, and we think about, you know, running your hand across that thing and then something sticking through. Pastor Jim told a story about how, how one went all the way through his pinky, went in on one side and out on the other, and you're just like, oh. But we talk about the cross. It's like, oh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus had a basically a railroad tie strapped to his body and every time he fell it just went in and in and in and beaten to where he was unrecognizable as a man we sing songs about the cross and we get so desensitized we don't even react and I, I don't want us the only reason I bring it up today is I don't want us to lose the awe of what the cross represents he did. He took that. The pain I've endured is nothing compared to what he has taken for you and for me. And why? Because he came to pay for your sin and mine. Satan wants to minimize that. He wants us just to make it about a, it's just, you know, this is about whatever you do like Christmas and all the little celebrations and meals together. Don't minimize it. Isaiah wrote 800 years ago in Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being was upon him, and by his scourging, by his stripes, we are what? We are healed. He came. So we could know forgiveness. Not an accidental splendor, but an intentional piercing for me. He humbled himself from birth to death, from the cradle to the cross, for you and for me. Romans 3.23, that was our, we, we circle up, you know, this great team of volunteers that we have here. And Goldsboro prays for you every morning before this day starts. And this was the passage that we went to. Romans 3.23. He didn't even know I was going to mention it. But it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't even live up to our own expectations, much less 
the holiness of God. And what I pray you don't do when you stand before God on that final day and He looks at you and says, Why should I let you, an imperfect being, into the, my perfect heaven? Why would I do that and let you come in here and mess it up? I pray your answer isn't, well, I did this much good and I did that much bad and I think the good maybe outweighed the bad. Because that's not the answer. That's the wrong answer. When you stand before Him and He asks that question, the answer is this. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. But what? The gift of God is eternal life the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord your answer is this I accepted the gift I said yes to the gift that was before me a gift is useless if it's unopened and before each and every one of you today there is a gift some of you you're already donning the gift you've worn it you've taken it on See, if I give my child a gift at Christmas, maybe it's cold, they needed a new coat, and I got them a, a coat and I put it out there, and, and they look at it and say, man, that's pretty, and boy, my name's on it, and I'm so excited, but I'm just not sure I need to open that gift right now. And then they get into January. And Cassie's been here long enough to know, that's when it snows around here, Cassie. It don't snow in December. Every now and then. They get into January, they get into February, maybe even into March, and it's still cold, but she's not open the gift. Just open the present. Everything you need is right in there to keep you warm. Your eternity stands in the balance, and you have a choice this morning. Some of you have already taken advantage of that and you've opened that gift. But for some of you, the gift is sitting right before you right now. What are you going to do with it? I was reminded Friday of the tremendous uncertainty in this life. One phone call to let me know that somebody I've known for over 20 years is gone. The one thing that I know for certain is that Jesus came. He died on a cross for you and I so that we could have the assurance of heaven and a relationship with Him that doesn't begin when we breathe our last breath here but begins right here right now I went into ministry because I watched a friend of mine on December the 
1985. Go away from my house. Never to see him again. I never lifted up that banner of Jesus that said, Unto us is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And after his death, I made a promise that would never happen again. If God would give me strength and breath to make that declaration. So I'm letting you know this morning, you got a decision to make. And no decision is a decision. What are you going to do with the gift that's before you? If you've already chosen Him, thank God. What are you sharing with others about the gift God has waiting for them? But if you've never opened it, today's your day. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the hope that it brings. Thank you that we learn that you want a you want a relationship with us. You want to connect with us. You want to commune with us. And thank you for the promise of eternity that comes from that. God, I pray that today that no one would walk out of here with an unopened gift. But today they would say, yes, I receive it. Because I realize through your word that it isn't about what I do. It isn't about the good versus the bad, but it's, it's about Jesus. Do I know him? Have I trusted Him? Today, right here, would you say, I'm going to follow you, Lord? There's one thing that Jesus wants this year for Christmas. And it's the only thing He wants. And it's the only thing that He wants that He can't have unless you give it to Him. And that is your heart. Would you trust Him with your heart today? Would you say, yes, God, I'm going to follow you. I don't understand it all. I don't know it all. But I know that there are people here at the, at the bridge that will help me in that journey. I don't get all of this. But God, I know one thing. I don't have hope. And I need it. And it is only found in you. God, I surrender to you now. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of being anxious. I'm tired of being angry and depressed. God, I give it all to you. And I exchange that for hope. And I exchange that for faith. And I exchange that for a God who loves me, who's going to stick closer than a brother in my life, who's going to care for me see me through.
with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you acknowledge that? As others have lifted up that banner and said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Would you acknowledge today? Today I said yes to that gift and I received it myself. If that's you, would you lift your hand right where you are? I said yes today. Now God, I pray that we would take this gift that we've been given and that we would go out into this world and share it with everyone that we can. This hope we have in Jesus. It's a dark place. And the enemy says, don't feed them. Don't give them food. But the hopeless and hurting didn't put that sign there. They're hungry for truth, for the word and for the love of Jesus. Help us, God, to give that this Christmas. Above all other things, if we don't give anything else, that we would give the hope of Christ this Christmas season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being in church today. God bless you. If you're a guest for the first time, and I know we have some because I met you. You have a gift outside in the foyer just on your way out. Take your Connect card. Let them know that you are here. Uh, we will have people in the altar that would be happy to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you before you go. But again, thank you so much for being in church. And don't forget our initiative, That's a Wrap. Uh, that initiative goes to support families right here in our community. It does not go outside the community. And we actually start within the church, family first, if we have needs there. Um, families struggling to provide Christmas for their children. And then uh, within the community too. So thanks for participating in that. That initiative kind of wraps up next week. So make sure that you're aware of that. God bless you. Thank you for letting me be with you today. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. We'll see you next time.